Welcome to Go Closer, the podcast that explores spiritual transformation and what it takes to go closer to God each day. Hi, I'm Kara Whitney. I'm a wife, a mom, and an evangelist author. And I'm Arnie Cole, a behaviorist, research scientist, and CEO of Back to the Bible. And I love to study life transformation. And you know, every person has a story. And today, we have a story that will inspire you to go closer. Welcome to our first episode. We've got an interview that we just know you're going to love. It's about life transformation, living on borrowed time, and Kara, you know Reno. Tell us a little bit about his background. I do know Reno. Uh, Reno's a stand-up comedian, and he was the opening act for my husband, whose stage name is Larry the Cable Guy. So I got a lot of uh, personal one-on-one time with Reno after he would get off stage. He'd introduce Dan to go up. And um, we would have that time together, uh, usually in the tour bus, just to talk about uh, something spiritual, um, just talk about our kids and all those things. So all the times I knew Reno, he was just chasing this dream, trying to follow his comedy career, trying to get on television. Uh, But there was a lot going on in Reno's life, and he's going to talk about that. But you'll also get to see the change, the transformation, as Reno goes closer to his relationship with Christ. God is good, and Reno's going to tell us his story today on how he was living on borrowed time. Here's Reno's story. Hey, Reno. Nice to meet you finally. I've heard a lot about you. Um, I've got quite a bit from Kara, but I'd like to hear it. What do you do, man? So... I've been a comedian, um, touring for like 23 years, roughly, you know, bounced all over the place, did all kinds of stuff and comedy and TV and got to be in a couple of movies. If you, uh, know Kara's husband, I didn't audition for him. He just, uh, I was there, <laughs> so I got to be in him, which was really cool. Um, and lately during quarantine, I've been working construction like Monday through Thursday and then going on the road, uh, on the weekends and doing radio and just doing whatever I can, man. You know, it's a weird time. Yeah. So where'd you get started in California? Vegas? No, in Atlanta, Georgia. I, uh, I started out, I worked the door and I worked the kitchen. I worked at a comedy club called the punchline. And, uh, I caught the bug of it. I was teaching school some. Then I was so stupid. I quit my job. I got like three weeks booked on the road, making like $125 a week. And I quit my job at the school and I quit my teaching job. And I basically lived out of my car for like the first four years on the road, just taking every gig I could get. My travel changed a little bit. Uh, when I was out with cable guy for almost 12 years, 11, Golly, like 11 years. And, uh, that was a tour bus, which was much nicer than my Nissan Sentra. Um, but yeah, man, I've, I've been extremely blessed to get to do all kinds of things. I had TV shows and, um, did Comedy Central specials and I've been very, very lucky. Wow. That, that sounds pretty, pretty exciting. Tell me how you handled success on the way. I handled success terribly. Um, I thought that I was in search of something and spent years of my life 
searching for something that I thought would make me happy. And I thought that, you know, like, oh man, if I ever got on TV, I'm good. That's the great in my life. I'm complete, you know, and I, I thought that all these, I thought having hosting my own TV show on NBC, I was like, this is going to make it. I got it. I made it. You know, this is it. And it's almost like I was chasing a hole in my heart that I thought would be filled by money and success and success being primarily being on television. Um, then I got there and it wasn't. Did you grow up in a Christian home, Reno? I did grow up in a Christian home. Um, but like all Christians, my family doesn't act like it all the time. So, well, the reason I had you on the show is because you were super instrumental in leading me to the Lord. You chasing things led to some addiction issues. Uh, I think, right? Yeah, I probably had them before, um, but it intensified them. And it was the same. It's the same answer to TV. Like it's chasing something. It's weird. I, I think let me, I'll tell you something about alcoholism and I have no problem answering any questions about it because, you know, it's real. It happened. You know, it's, it's a real thing. But there's a very wise black gentleman who was a Vietnam vet and has been through all kinds of stuff in his life. And I would see him in the mornings. And whenever he'd see me, he'd be like, Reno, if no one told you to love you today, I do. I'm like, I love you too, man. My, you know, I hug him, whatever. So I started talking to him. I've been sober for maybe two months. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what is going on. I go, this morning, I went and rode go-karts. Like I drove by a go-kart track. I pulled my truck in. I got in. I drove go-kart. Then I got in the batting cage. Then I get in my truck and I'm looking for 80s music. And I'm, I'm like, I don't know like what my brain is doing. And he's like, Reno, how old were you when you started drinking? I was like 14. He goes, my brother, you're 14. And <laughs> as soon as apparently, and it's really wise, like as soon as you start looking to escape, right, it deters you from maturing. You kind of stop dealing with things and you're looking for something else and you don't gradually go through and learn all the lessons. We just never learn to apply the lessons that are normal. Like there, there's normal things about taking responsibility for your actions. There's normal things about admitting that something's out of control and that it's unmanageable and that only God can pull you through it. And those are things that I could say all the time. I could talk the talk, man. I mean, I'm a Christian and I believe in God and Jesus this and pow, 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 and walk away from a conversation thinking they know I'm a good person because I just told them all that stuff, but I didn't apply any of it. Um, I, I've always had a conscience, which I feel is God. Instinctively, I think we're, we're kind of guided in what's right and wrong. And it, it kind of goes to, and I, I, I cannot remember exactly where in the Bible these things are, but it's in one of the four gospels where Jesus is talking about the seeds. And if they land on the rocks, you know, as opposed to if they land on the dirt and if they land that they can grow and they can, you know, take, I can't remember the exact wording, but you know what I mean? Like if it grow, if it lands on good soil, there's roots there that will hold on. So as you kind of bounce around in your life, you have something to come back to. And I'm thankful that I grew up in a Christian family because I did have that to come back to. You know, I did know that it was real and I had watched God work. 
you know, I had seen him work through, especially my grandpa and grandma, the, the way that they were able to handle things, the death of my aunt when she was really young, you know, a lot of things that I was able to have that to look back at. The roots were there is what I'm trying to say. You know, this, the seed, I just feel like it did set in good soil. It just took a long time uh, to be watered. Yeah. I did a show up uh, by Notre Dame, right? And it was probably 20 years, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And we were walking around the campus and there's a beautiful cathedral in there, right? So I'm like, I'm going to go in there and pray. Um, Even drunk, I still prayed and I still, you know, but so I was in there and it was really quiet and it was empty. There may have been two or three other people, but I couldn't see anybody or anything. And I started praying. And I had this overwhelming feeling that God was telling me, like goosebumps feeling, you've got to stop drinking. You, you, you've got to stop. It's going to destroy you. And I had the feeling and I knew it was God. And in there, I believed it. And I was like, I am done. And by the time I got back to my car, I'd already justified in my head how that couldn't be real and better, better, better. And there's no way that that, that's a church and that was my own brain. And that's, and I could talk myself out of it. I point blank heard God and didn't listen. And I can tell you that if you do that, you are going to pay dearly for it. And I did. And I took other people with me on that ride too. And until I was able to go, I can't control this. I can't, you know, I'm done. And I wish I didn't have to hit that deep of a bottom, but I just would not listen. And it's, uh, it's a nasty, it's a nasty little demon, man, that is really hard to get out of. Would you go on stage drunk? You know, not really. Like I didn't, I didn't miss flights or I didn't not show up for something or I didn't blow stuff off. I was functioning. You're a functioning alcoholic. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So was there an event or, you know, what exactly turned you around? Because it seems to me you've been ignoring, I mean, God spoke to you, dude, and, and you missed it. So what did get your attention finally? I didn't miss it. I blew it off. I I got it. I just wasn't willing to take it in. And as weird as this sounds, sadness did not bring me into getting help. It was actually happiness. I met a woman who I met through, she went to a church that I was also attending and we had mutual, really good friends and we got set up on kind of a date. So we fell in love and then at, at the happier I got, the more I wanted to quit. Misery didn't make me quit. Like I, I could take in my head, I could take all the misery in the world. I'm like, bring it, bring it, you know, <laughs> but happiness did. And then she was willing to do it with me, um, which I hadn't experienced before. I, I quit on Christmas four years ago in a couple months. So I look at it like this. I'm on borrowed time. Right. I know I, I could live. I could drop dead right now or I could live for 30 more years. Who knows? But what do I want to spend my time doing? I want to spend my time making people laugh and letting them know 
that Jesus guided me to get my life together so that I'm even there to do it. Well, there you go, Arnie. Uh, just like Reno said, we all live on borrowed time. That's right. We have no idea when the end is. You know, it was interesting because he talked about this hole in his heart. Did you ever have that, Kara? had a huge hole in my heart. I had everything. I had great marriage, uh, kids. Everything was was great. And in all those things that the world tells you that are supposed to make you whole and satisfied, I still had a hole in my heart. And over time, realized that it was the hole that God puts there that he wants us to fill uh, with a relationship with him. That's super cool. And, you, you know, our research shows that when you look at people's spiritual lives, the number one thing that they desire is to move closer to God. And that's what we're all about is what drew these people to go closer to God. Well, stay with us because tomorrow we'll talk more uh, with Reno Collier. Today's Go Closer podcast is powered by GoTandem, the free spiritual fitness app. Find the link in today's description and go closer with GoTandem.